How many know that in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, the Bible says this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. If my people that are called by my name, has anybody here been called by the name of Jesus Christ? Is there any healer or believers in here this morning? Amen. Church, there's got to come a point in time when the word of God goes from here to here. To where we write it on the tablets of our hearts, it goes from here, knowing about it, to here, living it. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, what a perfect way to be humble before the Lord. By lifting our hands and saying, God, it's not about me. It's about you. Jesus, you're the one that hung on that cross to die for my sins. It wasn't me. Don't forget your place, church. Lord, don't let us ever forget our place. I'm the one that needed saving. I'm not the one that saved. God, and I still need you. Jesus, I still need you to do a radical work in my life. Father, I need you. So because of that, I humble myself before you. And God, I adore you and I worship you and I praise you because you're worthy to be praised. And the funny thing about that is he says that he dwells in the praises of his people and he inhabits those praises. So not only are we humble before him, but we get to be in his presence. I get to be in his presence. You get to be in his presence. Do you understand what that means? The God of the universe, <laughs> the God of the beginning and the end is here today for you for you because he wants to spend time with you and as you worship him the bible says he says he in, inhabits those praises do you believe that church is it just right here or is it right here do you believe what the word of god says do you believe it do you believe it this morning why did you come this morning some of you were invited, and that's fantastic. Welcome you. We welcome you. We're glad you're here. But there's a lot of you here that have been coming Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Why are you here? Is it to praise his holy name? Is it to be sold out for the kingdom? Is it to further the kingdom of God? Or is it to be seen? Or is it, you know, this is just something that my mom and dad taught me to do, so this is what I do. Maybe it's the right thing to do. I'm not here because it's right. I'm here because I want to be a part of a corporate gathering where we lift up 
the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? And the Bible says, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. You see, it's not for you. It's for the greater good. It's for God's kingdom. We get some residual effect, amen? (laughs) Overflow of what God is doing in our lives and the blessings that he gives. But you know what? When we come here, the Bible says it's better to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. How many of you came to give this morning? Hear what I'm saying, church. How many came this morning to give of yourself this morning? Not just to receive. If you can hear that, receive it. Too many of us come to get. I want, I want. Gimme, gimme, gimme. What, what? Tickle my ear. Tell me what I want to hear. Tell me that I'm going to heaven. Tell me the good things about the word of God. But leave out those things that make me uncomfortable. Leave out those things that are going to challenge me. Leave out those things that are going to step on my toes. Because I really could do without. Listen. He said, woe to those who add or take away from this Bible. I didn't write it. It's not thus saith J. Ortiz. It's thus saith the Lord. If you believe in this word of God, you have to believe that it was inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. And there is no taking out. Well, I don't believe in this, that, and the I don't believe in healing. I don't believe it's happening. That's, that's kooky. I don't believe in tongues. That's kooky. I didn't write it. If you, if you have some qualms about it, talk to the Lord about it. He'll show you. But church, I'm telling you, there's got to come a time that my people who are called by my name, there's got to come a time that we humble ourselves and say, God, you're bigger than I am. I can't handle this stuff. I can't do it alone. And I'm not just going to give you what I want to give you. I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to give it all to you, God. And when that transition happens from here to here, watch what God does in your life. Watch how he starts to change you. I'm not even going to say bless you. I don't need blessing God. I want you to change me, Father. I want to be changed for eternity. You know why? Because I want to turn around and I want to be used by God to help change somebody else. You see, it's never about me it's always about you God and your kingdom so if you can further your kingdom by using me well then God do so please I'm not I'm not like Paul said I'm not worthy God for you to use me believe you me my righteousness is as filthy rags the Bible says I'm a good for nothing crazy Mexican it's okay to laugh at that But God, with you, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm a sinner saved by grace because of who you are, God. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek 
my face. Now, I, I don't know what you're doing outside this place. I'm not with you 24-7. But there is one who is. And he sees all. And he knows all. You don't have to impress me. Doesn't matter. I love you for who you are. But there comes a point in time where we're going to be responsible. We need to be responsible for our actions. And we need to be responsible to pray, to seek his face. To say, God, I'm going to set this time aside for you. And I'm going to look to you as the author and the finisher of my faith. And I'm going to run hard after you and after your word. I'm going to seek your spirit. The Bible says, and you turn from your wicked ways. This morning, is we're going to talk about Sardis. And Sardis was a dead church. The Bible labels it a dead church. You know why? Because they didn't turn from their wicked ways. God was nowhere to be found in that church. Because they didn't repent. They didn't turn from their wicked ways. But you see, until we repent and turn from our wicked ways, this next portion won't happen. And then I will hear from heaven, he said. If we continue to do what we're doing and, and think that we can please God in our own sin and unrighteousness, we're fooling ourselves. Then I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive your sins and I will heal your land. How many know our land needs to be healed? Doesn't matter who you voted for. Trump is our commander in chief now or will be soon. Let me tell you something as Christians, what we have to be looking at. We didn't put them in control. He did. If you believe the word of God, the Bible says that he, God, puts kings into positions and takes them out. Do you trust the Lord this morning? Or have you allowed this little president election frazzle you? Trump's not greater than my God. No king on this earth is greater than the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Who do you trust this morning, folks? Where does your peace and your faith lie is it with the king of kings or is it with the kings of this earth heal our land God heal our land pray with me if you would Father we love you God I thank you for who you are I thank you for all that you're doing in our hearts and your li- our lives, God. And I, I praise you for all that you want to do within us, all that you desire to do 
within us, God. But, Father, help us to be obedient to your word. Let us write this tablet, this word, on the tablets of our hearts, God, that we might be pleasing in your sight, Father. That we might be able to recognize your voice, O oh God. That still, small voice that's leading us and guiding us, or at least desires to. Father, forgive us of our sins, Lord God. Father, we repent. Help us to turn from those wicked ways, God. God, that you might hear us from heaven and heal our lands and forgive our sins. God, we bless your holy name this morning. Father, thank you so much that were two more gathered in your name, there you'd be in the midst also. We thank you so much for your presence here. Thank you for that anointing that breaks every yoke of bondage that's resting upon this place. Break the chains that bind us this morning, God, we pray. By the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we rebuke the devourer, the enemy. Your word says resist the enemy and he will flee. So he's gone in Jesus' name. Help us to think clearly this morning. Help us to be able to receive your word this morning. Break up that fallow ground in our heart and let the Holy Spirit rain down your truth in our life this morning, God. Let it be fertile soil here this morning to receive your word, to listen to your spirit, God, and to do your will. We ask this all in your precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen. If you would, stand to your feet and give three people hugs this morning. Um, give them some love as we get ready for the next part of the service. Amen and amen. How many are excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Anybody? Amen. Me too. Well, you're stuck with the Mexican this morning. I am, uh, I am going, <laughs> thank you. I am going to uh, <laughs> be ministering the word of God this morning. So let's, uh, let me go before the Lord, please, and, and ask God's guidance, please. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, God, for this morning. Um, thank you for your people. Thank you for your word, God. Minister to us all that you have for us this morning, Lord God. Don't let us leave anything on the plate, Father. Let us, let us eat it all up, God, this morning. Um, prepare our hearts for it, Father. Uh, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh God. 
God, we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Um, turn, if you would, um, to the book of Revelations. It is the last, Revelations is the last book uh, of the Bible. Excuse me, it's a revelation. Huh, George? Where's Pastor at? Gets mad at that. Hmm. We've been going through a study of these seven churches that are spoken about here in Revelations. Um, we are on the fifth church, Sardis. Hmm. And um, unfortunately, the Bible calls this the dead church. How would you like to be labeled the dead church? Not a good thing, is it? As a matter of fact, five of the seven books, or the churches, I believe, they, they start with um, commendations, praises, blessings. Two of them start with condemnation. Sardis is one of them. Um, Sardis is, is in a bad way um, this morning. And... Um, let me read a couple of things. Andy went through a, a list of things about Sardis. I'm going to go through a few this morning just to bring you up to speed of where we're at. Um, so the Apostle John, uh, when he was on the Isle of Patmos, was given visions. And these letters to these seven churches were part of those. Um, when Paul had established the church in Ephesus, and it grew, according to Acts 19.10, it spread throughout Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. And these churches are included in that number. Roughly 30 years had passed since these seven churches had been established, and the Lord gives letters to each one of them. And unfortunately, already, like I've said, Sardis is a church that he's labeled dead. <laughs> Barely 30 years old, and he's saying, you failed. It's a dead church. Whew. That's pretty rough. I want you to understand this morning that these are actual churches. I don't want you to think that this is, this is a fairy tale here. I don't want you to think that this is, uh, you know, um, this is a parable that Jesus uh, was speaking. Or <laughs> These are actual churches. And we can go right now and see the rubble that, Sardis, of where Sardis once stood, as a matter of fact. It was a very difficult time in the church. They had rejected Christianity. They were struggling. There was all kinds of other gods that were out there that people threw themselves at. All kinds of rituals that were going on, heathenistic rituals, all kinds of foul things that were happening. I want to say that these letters are timeless. They're timeless. They were written so long ago, but yet they're so important to the church that we're living in today. And they parallel so well with how we live today. Sardis was rich. It was rich, full of gold, full of silver. As a matter of fact, it was 
It was, uh, it was said that the first minting of coins was done here in Sardis. That's how much they had. It was a very powerful, powerful city at one time. It was the center for wool and dyeing of the wool. Sardis was the place to be at one time. It used to be one of the greatest cities of the world, almost impregnable, because it sat 1,500 feet high until it was conquered twice, first by the Persians, second by the Greeks. Again today, Sardis is a pile of rubble. Sardis is a pile of rubble. Normally the letters, like I said, started with commendations. But this letter started with condemnation. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. Verse 1 through 6. If you don't have a Bible, we have plenty here. You're welcome to take them home. Uh, I mean it. NIV study Bible, fantastic Bible. If you don't have one, come get one. Um, Like I said, keep it. I don't know if George wants you to keep it, but we can keep it. I won't tell. (laughs) We have Revelation. Do we have that? Can we get that? Is it up there? Perfect. All right, let's read. These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at the time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Church is. Mm. So there's a lot there. (laughs) Andy last week pretty much went through the first two verses. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with verse 3. Well, I'm going to go back to verse 2 as well. So God is, I want you to imagine this. God is writing a letter, say, to us, a church, church of renovation. And I want you to imagine that we're opening this letter We're excited because this is a prophetic letter that we received from John. You with me? And we're excited because we think that 
God's going to do some amazing things and speak some amazing things to us as a church. You with me? And all of a sudden, we open this letter, and it's saying, you're a dead church. Wake up. And our hearts drop. Or at least they should. (laughs) Because if you're a dead church, I guess it wouldn't matter much, would it? But it would matter to that remnant of people that believed. It would matter to that remnant of people that have got the gospel from here to here. It would matter to those that are going to walk with him in white one day. And I hope it matters to you this morning. You're a dead church, he said. There's five things that he says that we need to do. We're given five. The first one is wake up. Wake up. Church, that word is for us as well. Wake up. If we, listen, if our nation can can get uh, uh, all razzed out because of one person that's in office, we need to wake up. If our foundation is shook as a person because who's in office, we need as a nation to wake up. Something's wrong with that picture. Something is wrong with that picture. Wake up. We need to strengthen, number two, what remains and is about to die. So, obviously, there were things that were being done. There were people in the congregation that, that were, were, were alive. There were things that were trying to be done that were good things. He said, let that remain and keep it going so that it doesn't die. Because like cancer, it's spreading and eventually everyone is going to be done. That is a huge warning, church. Strengthen what remains. For I have found your deeds unfinished, unworthy, unsatisfying to me, God says. I don't know about you, but I've said it before. I want to be pleasing in the sight of God. Amen? Is there anybody here this morning that wants to be pleasing in God's sight? Amen? Let me remind you that I'm the Mexican. I'm I'm the one that likes people to talk to me, okay? So it's okay to say amen. You don't have to be quiet in church. It's okay. We need to wake up this morning, amen? We need to wake up this morning, church. We're talking about something that's very serious and very vital in our lives as Christians. God is saying to these people that you are dead. And let me tell you something. When God condemns something... Guess what? It's done. It's the final say. The buck 
stops here. He was gracious enough to give him a warning. Remember, therefore, number three, he said, wake up, strengthen, remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. What have you received? What had they received from God? What was it that they once had? I would venture to say, It was the gospel. Amen. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. What did they hear? They heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let me pause right there and let me go to four types of soil because I want you to understand that in Matthew 13, turn with with me there if you could. The, The Matthew 13 talks about Four types of soil that the, the word of God can fall on. Are you with me? Does everybody know about the, so, the, the soils, the four types of soils? The parable of the sower says this in chapter 13, verse 1. It says, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such a large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. While all the people stood on the shore... Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he scattered the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came up and ate it. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Number four, still other seeds fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Jesus said this many times. As a matter of fact, at the end of each one of these seven churches, It says the same thing. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. In other words, what's he saying there? Wake up! Listen to what I have to say. (laughs) Because it's life or death. Do you agree with that? It's life or death. The decision that you make with this seed, with the Word of God, with the good news of God is life or death. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundant. It also says the wages of sin is death. You have a choice. You have a choice. You can stay walking in your sin and in the life that you know. But I'm just warning you this morning, the wages of sin is death. What's that mean? Not death of this flesh and blood, but death of the spirit, of the soul. 
which is eternal damnation, which is the word talks about the lake of fire, torture, awful, awful things. Again, did I make it up? Mm -mm. It's in that word right there. It's a choice that we have right now. So let's break this down. Matthew 13, go down to verse 18, 23, and it says this. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. He interprets it. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom, the good news, Jesus Christ, how he died on the cross for our sins, and when we receive, we receive him into our hearts, he comes and dwells with inside of us. Amen? That's the good news of the gospel, that we now have eternal life because of what Jesus did on that very cross. Amen. That's the good news. That's the good news. And that one day, I'm going to be with Father God in heaven. That's the good news. They hear this message about the kingdom and they don't understand it. The evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. In other words, it falls onto the top of the soil. It really doesn't even, the soil's so hard, it really doesn't even have a chance to get rooted and grounded. The soil of our heart is so hard that we don't receive what the message of the kingdom is and we blow it off and we say, that's foolishness. I don't agree with that. You know what? It is foolishness to those that don't understand and those that aren't going to heaven. It is foolishness. It's the dumbest thing you've ever heard. What do you mean he was born of a virgin? That could never happen. You guys are a bunch of idiots. He was sinless? Yeah, right. There had to have been a pub somewhere around there. I know Jesus sinned. There ain't no way. Hmm. Not according to what my Bible says. Not according to what I believe. They don't understand it in the evil one. How many know we have an enemy? We have an adversary, church. We can't be ignorant of that fact. We have an adversary. The Bible says he's come to kill, steal, and destroy everything and anything about you. He will do that. If you, the, the biggest fallacy that this world has, has given to us is that there is no enemy. There is no devil. You don't have to worry about that because he doesn't exist. Well, if you don't think he exists, you're not going to be ready for his attack because he's going to attack. He attacked Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, if you cast yourself down, they'll, they'll, the angels will catch you. If you, if, you, if, you, if you do this, if you do that, if you... What Jesus said, it is written every time. It is written. Thus saith the Lord. The evil one came and snatched away what was sown into their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last a short time. Let me just, let me, mm. there are a lot of folks out here that are very shallow. 
Hear what I'm saying this morning, church. Hear what I'm saying. They have no root. The seed never produced root. What happens to a plant that has no root? It dies. It's done. They hear the gospel. It excites them. They receive it with joy, the Bible says. But because they do nothing with it, they don't cultivate it. They don't water it with the word and the spirit of God. Oh, this is a cool place to hang out. What a great group of people. They were very nice to me. I might come next week and the week after and for the next five years. But you know what? All of a sudden, that fruit or that, that plant or that tree is producing no fruit. Why? Because it's lifeless. It has no root system. It's worthless. They hear the word and receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. These are also the people that when persecution comes, they run. You hear what I'm saying? Any persecution in their life comes and they run. Oh, Jesus, what? he didn't do anything for me. It's the wrong mentality. He died on the cross for you. He doesn't need to do anything else for me. He did it all right there. The gospel doesn't go from here to here. They're not living that word. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Life is deceiving. The the enemy is deceiving, is he not? He's a worthy adversary, the Bible says. He's not to be taken lightly. We don't give him any props. We don't give him any praise. But he's a worthy adversary. He knows what he's doing. And if you don't have this word in your heart, he can snuff you out quicker than pulling a weed outside. I've got a friend, lifelong friend. He became very successful. A lot of money. Before that, he pastored. Beautiful family. Seemed like he was rich in the kingdom. All of a sudden, he became rich in this world. Hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. He recently cheated on his wife with a woman half his age. He's being deceived. And he can't see it. Just like Saul on the road to Damascus. The Bible says there were veils that were on their eyes, on his eyes. 
God took the veils off his eyes to see what he was truly doing. Saul thought he was doing right, what didn't he? Saul thought he was doing what God wanted him to do. But in reality, he was killing God's people. And God said, what, what, are, you, what are you doing? You're killing my people. Blinded them. Boom. Saul, his name was later turned to Paul. He ended up writing three quarters of the New Testament. Because God revealed himself to him. How many know that we can have veils on our eyes? We can be doing the wrong thing and thinking it's right. But that's why it's so important, church, that we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. To stay humble before our God. God, I don't want to be led by anything else. Not by, and, and listen, I, I'm not saying that money is evil. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil, not money. There are very successful men and women in this world that love God and that are filthy rich, and that's okay. Because you know what? They understand currency. They understand that that money continues to go for the kingdom of God, for the work of God. Amen? The Bible says my God owns the cattle of a thousand, on a thousand hills. My God's got all the money in the world, all the riches in the world. He doesn't need my money. You know what I'm saying? But how many know we still need to be faithful by giving faithfully to the church, faithfully to the kingdom? deceitfulness he is a deceiver the enemy is a deceiver money can be a deceiver because it can buy a lot of things but one thing it cannot buy is your salvation and let me be honest with you you can't take it with you the bible says store up your your treasures where moth and rust can't corrupt it that's treasures in heaven, not treasures down here. The worries of life make them unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands the word. Hears the word and understands the word. It goes from here to here. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, and thirty times what they have sown. This is the one that God uses for his kingdom. This is the one that understands about sowing and reaping. <laughs> that when I sow my time, my money, my effort, my all, that God is going to turn around and he's, I'm going to reap a harvest. He's going to reap a harvest in heaven because of it. Those are the things that are important this morning. I ask you, church, which one are you? If you were to open up your compartment of your heart and look in, what type of soil would you have? Would it look like a desert, cracked so hard that you can't put your fist through it, dry, Nothing can live in it. Or is it that fertile soil? Rich, black earth. That's very fertile. 
when the Holy Spirit throws seeds upon your heart, they grow and they produce fruit. What does this mean? Hmm. What does fruit look like? Well, let's just look. Galatians 5.22 says, turn with me if you would. Galatians 5.22, and it's up here as well, I believe. Or better be, at least, John. Or else, I'm sick of this. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. The fruit of of the Spirit Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So, the Bible says that we will know them, I will know you, you will know me, by our fruit. Amen? People says we're not supposed to judge. Let me tell you something. There's only one way for me to know who you are, and that's by seeing your fruit. And if you tell me that you're a bodybuilder, but you're 95 pounds and a stick in the mud, can I judge that? You don't look like a bodybuilder to me, brother. I don't know about that. If you tell me you're wealthy, but I look at your bank account and it's in the red, are you rich? No. No. You're not rich. We got, listen, you got to call a spade a spade. Amen? Let's not forget this political correctness. Right? Don't tell me you're righteous when I see you, uh, you know, hitting a joint. <laughs> it's illegal. Not supposed to do it. If you're in Colorado, well, have at it. What else can I say? But here, it's illegal. You'll go to jail for it. Don't tell me you're righteous when you live one way during the day and at night you're someone completely different. Mm, That's not righteousness, man. You're a drunkard. You go out. Sleeping with anybody that'll give you time. Mm. That's really not pointing to what you just said you were. And if that's, listen, let me say this. If that's you, be you. Can I say that? Is that all right to say? The gospel's here. It's been given. It's real. If you want it, take it. If you don't, I can't control that. I'm not going to chase after you and and try to cram it down your throat. You're just going to run further. So I'm going to say, I love you, but if you don't want what what this word of God has, I don't know what else to say to you. I love you and I'll pray for you, but if you don't want it, okay. I hope your heart changes. But I'm telling you the truth of the gospel. Your choice. I've made my choice. 
I didn't have to have anybody twist my arm to give my life to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I realized what he had done for me. And I made him my personal Lord and Savior. Have you? Have you? And if you have, what type of soil are you? Are you alive or are you dead? Is there fruit that you have from your life? I'm not talking about good deeds. I'm talking about spiritual fruit. Because let's be honest, let, let me, he was speaking spiritually. The church was very much alive. There were people in the church like there is right here in front of us. But he was speaking spiritually and saying, you're dead. I'm looking at you and I see you. And you're dead. Just like Jesus said to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he said, you're as, you're as dead men's bones. He said, Matthew 23, 27 and 28, he said, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. This was the people of Jesus' time, and he's saying, look at you. You're, you're priests, and you, you're, you're, you've got your robes, and you, you look so good. I'll give you that. But I see the heart, and I see nothing but dead men's bones. If Jesus was in front of you right now, what would you see? What would he see? Would he see fruit hanging from your tree? Or would he say, I see a bunch of rattling bones in there, and they're dead as a doornail. You see, church, we've got to come to church, and we've got to be willing to change. <laughs> And people don't like change, do they, Stephen? People do not like change. I got to be honest, I sometimes don't like change. Why? It's not easy. It's different. I've got to learn something new. Sometimes it's very difficult. But if I'm not willing to change, I might as well not step my foot in that door because God's word demands us to change. Amen. He doesn't ask for us to change. He requires us to change. Here's the beauty about it. He gives us his Holy Spirit to, to be the power with inside of us to be able to do that change. Amen? What? Oh, don't mention the Holy Spirit. Ooh, that's a little weird. It's a little freaky. I didn't write it. I just read it and live it. Either you're listening to the whole counsel of the word of God or you might as well not open it up. That's the truth of it, folks. So many times we come to church and we just, you know, where's my seat? Uh, where's my little deals from the, the cafe? I got to eat. 
I didn't eat breakfast this morning at home because I got to eat. Get my cup of coffee. I'm good. Oh, the worship's good. The band's good. So be it. Good job. Oh, somebody's going to speak. All right, I'll listen. All right, let's see what they have to say. Ah, that Mexican's mediocre at best. Y'all know that's not true. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but then you walk out the door and there's no change that happens in here. I've got a problem with that. More importantly, he has a problem with that. If there's no change happening here, and you can, listen, you can fool me all day long. All day long. You hear what I'm saying? Just like the Pharisees and the Sadducees back in the time of Jesus, they fooled a lot of people. Ooh, look at that guy, man. He's got the right robes and the right crosses, and he's, he's got the right jewelry, and, and, and he's adorned so nicely. He must be close to God. And that's exactly what people thought. But here comes Jesus who sees beyond that. He's like an x-ray machine. He sees right to that heart. And he says, mm-mm, that's all fake. It's phony. It's not right. Dead men's bones, you're dead. You're not living. Pretty harsh words, would you agree? Pretty harsh sacrifice. Would you agree? He didn't do that. That cross. Die on that cross. So we can pity paddle here in church. So we could pretend to live a life that's righteous. So we can pretend to go through the motions so that we can pretend to look like we have character. Let me tell you something. In here, in Revelations, when it talks about garments, it's talking about your character. It says your character is stained. (laughs) Stained. Who's the only one that can get those type of stains out? Jesus. He's better than tide, better than who else? Shout. Clorox bleach. Hmm. He's better than that. When my daughter was young, she didn't want to be a Mexican. She didn't want her her, uh, skin to be brown, I'm saying, honey. There ain't nothing washing that out, babe. I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't want to be a Mexican dad. Hmm. My daughter. My Mexican girls that don't like tacos. I don't understand it. I don't. Pray with me if you would, please. I don't understand that. <laughs> They'll eat them. I'm just kidding. Stand on your feet if you would, please. John, if you would, please come. Revelation says this. Going back to the original. You have a few in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white. 
for they are worthy. Let me ask you a rhetorical question this morning, church. Are you worthy? Are you worthy to walk with him this morning? We know our righteousness is as a filthy rags. We know that we're not worthy of our own accord or of our own doing. But are you walking the walk? Have you asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, number one? Number two, are you walking the walk? Are you living the life? Are you dead men's bones? Are you like the Pharisees and the Sadducees? He warns them saying, I'm going to come like a thief in the night. It's a warning. I'm going to come like a thief in the night. You're not even going to know what hit you. You're going to be finished if you don't wake up. You're going to be done. But the one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. Sometimes this walk of ours is very difficult. Sometimes we go through very difficult things. My wife and I walk, many of you know, most of you know that are here from this church know that my wife and I walk through holding our son as he passed away. Is that easy? Heck no, it's not easy. Did I run? Did I say, God, why have you forsaken me? God, you're not real. God, this and that. Did I shake my fist at him? I was more like the disciples when Jesus said, uh, unless you drink of my blood and eat of my flesh, you won't inherit the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said that to a crowd, and he wasn't talking about cannibalism. He was talking about spiritual things. He was talking about this supper. And that whole crowd left. 5,000 people just left. And Jesus turned around, and he looked at his disciples, and he said, Are you going to leave me too? Are you going to bail on me? As a disciple said, you know, where else do we have to go? You have the kings of the kingdom. They understood who he was. They had a relationship with Jesus Christ. How do you want to avoid being dead? Allow Christ to live inside of you. How do you want to avoid being lifeless? Have the giver of life breathe his breath into you. Hmm. You see, I believe that when we come to church, we have choices. And we should have choices. We should have change. So this morning, I'm not going to let you just sit there. I'm not just going to let you look at me walk out that back door. I'm going to ask you this morning a question. Are you dead or are you alive? What soil 
is living with inside of you? And can you show me your fruit? Can you show me your fruit, not your good deeds? The Bible says we're not, we're saved by grace through faith. Not by works or deeds. Listen, any man should boast. I can't buy my way. I can't give my way. I can't do things to get my way into heaven. Jesus Christ is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. He's the giver of life. Are you alive this morning? Some of you, we just got an AED. I don't know if you saw this or not. We just have uh, got an AED. And we all know the purposes of those AEDs, right, Shane? It's to bring people back to life. And don't worry, I'm not going to get that out and I'm not going to shock you. But spiritually, I want you, be, want you to be awakened. I just saw, there, somebody just posted, good old Facebook. There are highs and lows in life. And you know what? It's okay. Because if it was a flat line, we'd be dead. Does that make sense? Are you flatlining or are you living? And if you are living, who are you living for? I choose to live for Jesus. Is there anybody in here this morning that has come to this church to seek his face and to be changed inside. Is there anybody here that can raise their hand and say, that's me, Jay, that's me. Anybody here that would say, that's me. Let me see your hands, come on. Don't be ashamed, there's nothing. Just raise your hands. If if that's what you believe, let me see your hands. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anybody in here that would say, Jay, I need shock. I need a spiritual AED. I need those pads to be placed on me and I need a shock from the Holy Spirit this morning. I, I feel like I, I've, I've heard God's word and I heard the gospel but I don't exactly know what God wants me to do. If that's you, let me see your hand. Don't be ashamed. Come on. We've come here for one reason and one reason only and that's to change and be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Is that, if that's you, be honest with me and raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let me tell you something. If I'm a believer in Christ, I'm not judging the person next to me. You know why? Because I was once in their shoes. Once I was lost, but now I'm found. Once I was living my life for the enemy, but now I'm living my life for Jesus. I'm not bragging about that. If I have anything to brag on, it's only about who he is and what he's done for me. If there's anybody here that maybe doesn't know Christ and wants to know him for the first time as their Lord and Savior, can I see your hand unashamedly? Can I see your hand? So internally, where are we at this morning? Come on, church. I feel the Holy Spirit brewing. 
feel the Holy Spirit brewing. And I feel change coming. The Bible speaks of an anointing that breaks every yoke of bondage. And we need that anointing in our life. Amen. We need to be changed by the power of God. We need to be changed by the Spirit of God. We need to be changed by the Word of God. John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's who He is. That's who He is. And if we want to get to know Him, we've got to read it. We've got to know it. We've got to love it. We've got to learn it. We've got to live it. So this morning, I'm, I'm going to open up these altars. And prayer team, we're going to be doing it a little different this morning. You know, we're just going to sit to the side and we're going to pray. If anybody wants to pray with the prayer team, they're welcome too. But I want you to come this morning for change. Can you do that? If you want change in your life, and don't, you're not going to be judged if you stay in your, stay in your seat, that you're fine. Do your thing. Do you. Do you. I'm saying if you want change in your life, if you desire God to do bigger and better things in your life, I'm going to ask you this morning to step out in faith and to step to the front here as, as much as I understand. Not everybody can get up here and speak or, or sing or, you know, I get it. But put all your insecurities aside for a minute, if you will. And I'm asking you this morning, if you want change in your life, if you want to be changed by who God is, if you want to live this life and not be dead, and again, hear what I'm saying, if you personally want that, I want you to come forward right now. Step forward if you would, please. Come on, I know it's uncomfortable. Just step forward. If you want change, who... The Bible says you have not because you ask not. If you don't ask it, it'll never happen, I promise you. But if you ask, there's a chance that you'll get it. <laughs> it's kind of like Christmas. My daughter's asking for a pony. Well, if you ask long enough, eh, maybe. But if you ever ask, I promise you're never going to get that pony. I'm just kidding. She's never going to get the pony.
I will heal your land. And I will forgive your sins. Is there anybody here that needs to be forgiven? (laughs) I do. So, Father, this morning we look to you as the author and the finisher of our faith, God. The beginning and the end, Father, you're our all in all. And Father, you see these circumstances that are in front of us. You see the decisions that we've made. You see the decisions that we have to make. Lord, you know what we've done. Is there anything hidden from you, God? Nothing. You see it all. You have our hearts in your hands, Father. And Lord, these folks are desiring, God, a deeper walk with you, a closer walk with you, Lord God. Father, for your Holy Spirit to lead them, to guide them, to walk with them. Your word says your Holy Spirit is our comforter and our guide. Lord, I pray that they will recognize that still small voice that's speaking to their hearts, Lord, even now, Father, even now. You're our comforter and our guide. Guide them, Lord Jesus. Unashamedly, they come before you, Father, and they ask, Lord God, for your will to be done in their lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Y'all, whatever that is, whatever it is that's in your heart right now, whatever it is that you're thinking right now, I want you to start praying about it. Asking the Lord to handle it. amazing how in the presence of so many we can we can make it one-on-one with God (laughs) we can make it so real with God right now if there's any of you that are at your seats right now that feel led please come what I what I'd ask you to do is I'd ask you to put your hand on the shoulder of one of these folks that are up here and just start praying you don't have to ask them what their prayer is just start praying with them can you do that some of you start coming up you that are uh, on the um, on the team here, you guys can come up. Miss Sue, come up and pray real quick, if you would, please. Shane.